I hate that so much. It's so weird. <laughs> Big Brother is watching you. Recording in progress. Uh, three, two, one. Let's go. Um, welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills and our skills as guitar players. Um, my name is Dylan Murphy. With me, as always, my host, John Gillen. John, That's how are you? me. Yeah, that doing, is you. Yeah, it is. It is. Doing great, man. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, all good. We have a life. You know, we're, we're friends outside of this podcast. This isn't our only time to catch up. So <laughs> imagine if we just like spent the whole episode just catching up. It's like, how's the cold? How's the fam? Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awkward. Anyway, guitars. Uh, so this is a full episode. Last week was a, a mini episode on uh, pedals. And we are, we're, we're going to put a plug in the pedal uh, genre for a while the effects thing because we feel like you know we've we've talked enough about it so next week's mini episode will be on uh, something completely different but this is our full episode and as we always start our full episodes uh, with a lick of the week so John it is your turn I did the Beatles the last time and yes. that led to a very heated discussion <laughs> so we'll see um, you always keep me on my toes with your ones so uh, I'm very interested anything any uh, so I'm going to guess what this is uh, any hints beforehand okay should I know so- who this should I know what this is? I don't think so. I will be surprised if you do, but I expect you to sort of guess the era. The, okay. um, this is, I've been going through the kind of history of important popular guitar, uh, sort of yes. kind of going right. back to early things like Robert Johnson and kind of coming out of the blues and go back and listen to some of those episodes. But we've, we've kind of progressed from the 1950s we looked at several guitar players from that time period, um, and now we're kind of into the 60s. The last one we did was Keith Richards and uh, Satisfaction. Yeah. So we're on a timeline here, so you probably can guess the time period. Uh, but besides yeah. that, I'll go ahead and fill you in afterwards. If you do get it, I will certainly be impressed. <laughs> okay. Uh, the pressure's on. All right, let's, let's hit this, baby. Okay, interesting. God, okay, there's a lot to unpack. So I- I'm going to go at this from my um, MA in musicology uh, perspective and kind of... <laughs> As if that's going to help you with this. There's no, there's no Edison's teeth on this one. So, <laughs> or dancing oh, in Jamaican clubs and writing it off to the university. Well, uh. <laughs> that's not, let's, let's leave it for our We Hate Academia <laughs> podcast. Um, so this is interesting. I'm just going to discuss what I hear musically. And that is like, you've got a very um, a kind of Eastern inspired guitar riff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hearing like, you know, the, the Beatles, the kind of Indian uh, uh-huh. sitar aspect of that. Yeah. Totally. And yeah, I don't know. See, before it kicked in, I was like, is this the shadows? But then I heard the American vocal and I'm like, no, it's not. So it's like late 60s. Um, okay, put me out of my misery. Okay, so yeah, really good observations on that. This is actually 1965. This is the same year as mm. Satisfaction. Oh. Um, and this is the Yardbird's Heart Full of Soul. And the I reason see. why this is important is because it's the first single after Eric Clapton left the Yardbirds. Yard, uh, he left shortly after Four Year Love. So okay. he decided this is not bluesy enough for me. I'm out. 
for your love just kind of had this weird double time thing that he played on and that was kind of it and it was their biggest hit so this was the follow-up single that was released like three months or six months later and if you know your guitar history you know that eric clapton left who did he recommend jimmy page jimmy page jimmy page actually turned down the gig so this is do you know who this is i don't jeff beck Ah, right. Cool. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So this is Jeff Beck's first big, like, uh, kind of breakout. foray. In, yeah, it really is. It's, it's his breakout single here. Like, he had done some other stuff, but um, for him, this was kind of, he, he played in a couple R&B bands, uh, done some singles, a little bit of studio work here and there. Um, and this was kind of the big thing that launched him into the forefront. And what was cool with this was, you're right, like it has that sort of Indian influence thing. And part of that was actually Beck's contribution to it. And of course, you can hear that really fuzzy tone mm. bringing in that early fuzz pedal. We talked about yes. that a few episodes back as well. So this is, this is key for a lot of reasons because it, inter- it starts to introduce what will kind of push towards psychedelic stuff. Yes. It's 1965, remember? So this is early days in terms of Rolling Stones and the Beatles were not really pushing into psychedelic yet, which is part of the reason I didn't kind of go down the Eric Clapton cream road because Look we're just that. not there yet. Um, yeah. But this is an, an important one. When you compare this to with like Satisfaction, which does have that really fuzzy tone, but it is kind of much more of a bluesy song. This really isn't, right? No. Even though it's still kind of a, this, this riff is not necessarily an Indian riff. It has a much more, and when you listen to it with the vocals, the production, you really get much more of that kind of here comes the psychedelic movement yeah and you've got the bongos and mm-hmm. yeah because this would have been the point that it really did like you know the culture started moving into that you know drugs become became more prevalent and you know the whole birth control thing and it was like you know yeah, yeah that's that's how society was going so that's a really interesting choice i i have no knowledge of the Arbirds like whatsoever but i know it was a really important group for guitar players because you know everybody had their go did did jimmy page join the yardbirds or um i think he did eventually to be honest i'm a little unclear on that's all right i'm putting you on the spot that happened but (laughs) yeah all right yeah um that's that's really cool um yeah i was gonna ask i was like okay we're probably gonna talk about cream at some point but it's really yeah well and i kind of wanted to touch on uh eric clapton and so to be honest that was kind of even though clapton played on the biggest yardbirds hit it was really this, his time in the Yardbirds, I think is important because it gets Jimmy Page into the Yardbirds. So Page comes on after Beck. Um, it gets Jimmy Page into the Yardbirds eventually because now he's kind of in the mix with those guys. It gets Jeff Beck in there. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of kind of why this is important, where it goes, what it plays into and it's not really a well-known tune even though it was the single right so but what's the name of the song uh heart full of soul okay and s-o-u-l and uh that's it's you know it's uh the the fuzz box the roger Mm -hmm. mayer fuzz box prototype that he 
uh, that Jeff Beck uses on this. Beck bringing in kind of the Indian influence here yeah. to kind of get the sitar that, kind of sound. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which originally they had tried having a sitar on this, but it wasn't quite the sound that they were looking for. So too many you know. strings or uh, yeah too, or strings, too many frets no. yeah <laughs> um, no that's cool i know like jeff beck you know i've only listened to my, i have a very uh remedial uh, you know not a, not a massive knowledge of of jeff beck as a player but i know he's very good at making a guitar sound like other instruments you know yeah. through his uh his trick bag you know all of his techniques so very very cool choice um and yeah i i really enjoyed that uh background on yeah cool really enjoyed it so moving on we are talking about the question that every student asks every guitar teacher how do i get faster we're talking about speed and there's a million videos on youtube you were Mm -hmm. a seasoned guitar teacher and i'm really interested in discussing how do you approach how do you answer that question when it's brought up in terms of improving speed getting faster we've talked about it with various guests before but it's been quite a while since you and i have discussed it and how we've gotten faster and how you know the whole i suppose philosophy behind it so Mm you have a go-to answer because it's some, probably something you've been asked an awful lot? Yeah, it's it's kind of a complex thing. So it's interesting we, we kind of brought this up. Some of, um, for those of you that have listened to us for a while, you know that I was a business partner in Silver Sound Guitar here in Colorado Springs, uh, primarily a guitar teaching studio that expanded into a whole bunch of different instruments. Uh, definitely check it out, check out the videos, all that stuff. Um, Still, still good friends with those guys. Definitely recommend them for anything. But um, over my over the course of the time that I was there and built that up, and the previous ten years or so that I had teaching before then, you're right. It's very common question. So I've learned a few things about helping students through that. And just before I left, I did also have a few students who were very eager to kind of go from zero to a hundred. So how do we break that down? What are the steps? Um, The first thing that I usually tell people is, well, how fast can you play? And they go, well, I don't know this fast, but it's like, okay, so you need a, you need a number, you need a marker, you need a way to keep track of how fast you are playing. And so we've talked about it so many times on this show, but it's get a metronome, use a metronome, And a really simple exercise that you can use every day or every other day in order to mark your progress. So that first exercise is usually that four finger exercise. And I try to break it down real simply for people and just start with one string. Mm -hmm. You're just going to repeat. I usually prefer on that third or fourth string because that's usually a a place where um, the hand shifts just a little bit. Ah. So this is, this is a big thing. People really struggle to play across strings at speed because of pick, pick attack and shifting your fingers and synchronizing those things. So that is something that you want to dial in. So if you're working on that four finger exercise, you might work on an, on one string on that fourth string in particular, because the hand, the left hand shifts just a little bit as you go to yeah. the third string. Mm-hmm. And then as you keep going up. So in order to do that, you have to kind of work that over and over. Building speed and synchronization requires an awful lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. So get a metronome, 
start with that one string and then take that one string and move to the next string. So that's essentially, let's say you start on the fifth fret, you're playing five, six, seven, eight, and you just repeat that maybe two or three times. And then five, six, seven, eight, and then you just play the fifth, fifth fret on the third string. And we'll have some of these typed up and written up uh, just so that we're able to, you're able to kind of jump on them and check yeah. out the exercises. So uh, check out, we'll have a link to the Patreon page. Everything will be posted there. So when you're doing that, you're really trying to focus on the speed and transitioning the strings. And you can kind of build up that steadily across all six strings, but it's really good to start where your hand is going to shift the most. And that's usually on the third or fourth string. Yeah. I've never heard that before in terms of like not starting on the, like the low E, you know, putting it yeah. in the middle of the guitar. Cause that makes more sense. Right. And, it, it really does. Like, Go ahead. And like a lot of people as well are saying like, Oh, it's one, two, fret one, fret two, fret three, fret four. And mm. it's, you know, if you're, especially if you're starting out, why pick the hardest possible frets to play? <laughs> no, that's it. You know, so here's the thing. If you've got smaller hands or wherever, wherever you sit with your guitar, right. You want it to be comfortable. It doesn't have to be the fifth fret. I frequently start people there because like you said, it's sort of in the middle-ish. It's a little bit easier to get your fingers on it. But for some people, it might be more comfortable to start on the 10th fret. So start yeah. on the 10th fret. The point is that you're synchronizing your alternate picking. So you're going to go down, up, down, up for each string um, or for each note rather. Yes in that one position. So whatever that is. So again, it's that repetition and you want to put the metronome to it so that you know, you have a marker there. If you don't have that marker, how can you get faster? It's like if Usain Bolt just ran as fast as he could, he has no idea how fast he is. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, that hundred meters was in whatever he does it in. I don't know, five seconds, six seconds. I have no don't idea. Yeah. But if you don't have that marker in order to say okay i can play 16th notes at 120 beats per minute then how are you going to get faster so the yeah. next day you know make sure you, and find somewhere to write it down type it out make a note so if something happens where you don't come back to it for two days and you go was i at 124 or 126 like yeah this is one thing we we've stressed before in terms of writing down and keeping a journal because like what gets measured gets managed and it's that idea of like, but also in terms of, you know, if you do this exercise every day for two weeks, you'll see a progression and that'll make mm -hmm. you want to keep doing it. You know, it's that idea of you don't really want to break the chain. You're, you're seeing that you're getting better and that you're getting faster and that's motivation to keep at it. It's just that idea of like, if you don't know what you're doing and you can't really remember and you're not taking, like the notes don't have to be complicated at all. It's just about like figuring out where you're at and where you were yesterday and, you know, keeping the momentum going. Right. Um, and usually I, I think, so people tend to look for a quick solution here. Um, and this is why I suggest starting with one string, just start on one string and focus on that. And that's part of your warm up. And you'll notice that that progression over a week or two weeks, and then you can add something to it, right? Start going across two strings, three strings, four strings, whatever. Um, and usually, so with this exercise too, I just mentioned alternate picking. And mm. there's a reason why I suggest alternate picking. If, if you're relatively new to the guitar, maybe you do a lot of chugging, a lot of downstrokes, the thing is the reason why we want to look at alternate picking is because it's efficient. Like that's really it. 
for every downstroke you make, you have to make an upstroke. Um, so when it comes to the right hand, the thing we want to think about is how can we increase consistency and accuracy. Now, this is where I definitely recommend, you know, this is where you want a, a teacher, someone who can sit down with you, can actually see what your right hand is doing. Yeah. One of the things that you can do yourself is set up your phone, you know, or you can go on Troy Grady's website and buy the little like phone clamp thing and take a slow-mo video of your right hand playing one string just as fast as you can. And yeah. notice what your hand does. Most people, their hand is going to bounce in and out of the string as they make those up and down strokes. So you need to be aware of how your hand moves a slight angle on the pick troy grady is really great with a lot of yeah. this stuff like he covers his so channel. much of it uh in terms of how you angle your pick and what a forward angle is versus a backward angle i always talk to students about making sure that you have something that is consistent whatever yeah. is comfortable make yeah. sure that it's consistent you don't want a flat you don't want your pick to lay perfectly flat on the string so in order for that pick to move easily through the string, you're going to want to angle that maybe a little bit forward, like towards the neck or back towards the bridge, and then either up towards yourself or down towards the floor. Um, and either one, of, either one of those will help that pick kind of slice through the string and allow you to build some speed on, yeah. your, um, on your right hand picking. Absolutely. No, those are some really things that people just don't really like pick angle and motion. It's something I'm still learning about. I mean, you know, I, I'm very tempted to go back to Troy Grady's from like, you know, video series from the start because he's just the mechanics of it. There's just so much mm -hmm. there that, I'll, you know, just can get ignored and can save you so much time in terms of like figuring out mo pick motion. Yeah. And again, this is where like I do recommend having somebody you can sit down with because as you said, it can save a lot of time, but if you're not either you aren't analyzing your picking or you don't have somebody to help you do it, you can really go down the rabbit hole and get in your own head. And I've had a couple of students like this where they would get in their own head and just be like, Oh, well, is my pick doing this or is it doing that? And it's like, at some point you just got to pick, like forget about it and just play as fast as you can. So there is that element of, do what's comfortable. I recommend bracing your hands just because, uh, and some people like to brace their hand. I sort of prefer the, the fat part of my thumb. Some people kind of go back towards the back part of their palm. Um, or like John Petrucci will kind of hook his pickup with his pinky. So watch some players, get some ideas, go, huh, that's how they do that. Take a YouTube video, slow it down, see how they use their right hand and go, is that comfortable for me? If it's not comfortable, yeah. don't do it. Don't waste your time yeah. using somebody else's technique because that's how your favorite guitar player uses it. Figure out where your hand sits comfortably. Like I say, the reason you want to brace your hand is just so that you have that stability. When you float yeah. your hand, I generally try to steer people away from Eddie Van Halen's style of playing because it's much harder to progress quickly to get there. Just because Eddie could float his hand and do his tremolo picking without touching his guitar doesn't necessarily mean you should. He yeah. had a lot of cocaine and a lot of hours <laughs> in order to do that. So unless you're in that same boat, I'm not going to recommend it. Um, I and think just 
yeah i mean if you're looking for exercises as well just one thing i love while i, while I think of it uh, if you're looking for like exercises like the one that john just mentioned but you want to level it up a bit um john are you familiar with paul gilbert's intense rock DVD? oh yeah 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 yeah. that's like that's all just you know it's all alternate picking licks mm-hmm. just in terms of like building speed just in terms of like it's a really good resource it's all on youtube and you can actually find you know if you go on 911 tabs you'll find the tabs to all the exercises as well but yeah i suppose so do you think that i mean in, in, okay so we've got we've got an idea of the you know the technical motions and the getting mm-hmm. a metronome and you know taking it slow i really like the idea of talking to a teacher or even yeah. just like, you know, getting a mirror and, and being able to see how exactly you're doing things because it's like, you know, not only is it a time saver, it's that idea of like, you need to, you can't just like play guitar while looking at a, you know, without looking at what your hands are doing. Right. You know, and some people like it's, it's uncomfortable. Like, do you ever record yeah. yourself playing and then look at it back? It's like, oh God, but it's important. Right. Because you're able to hear how not only not only see how it looks but also hear how it sounds and mm-hmm. like hear how even your notes are in terms of like your dynamics but it's you know record yourself that's a big thing yeah pink uh picking is a real big thing um and i, I know i'm, I'm kind of coming back to that again but slow it uh i'm mm, i'm gonna try to re-say that so instead of um instead of just trying to look at your hand and be like oh it's doing this like find a way even if it's a matter of not actually fretting a note, take your left hand, hold your phone up to your right hand and just watch how you pick one string as fast as you can. Economy of motion is absolutely important for speed. It's about repetition and it's about economy of motion. So that's going to be key for figuring out where your right hand goes. So like we said, you've got metronome and you've got some basic exercises in order to to give yourself a marker for what you're doing. And then your right hand is sort of that next thing. And what I want to say here is you want to go with that metronome. You want to start slow, be accurate, know what you're doing, be precise, then move to clean, or I'm sorry, then move to fast. So you're going to go slow, fast, as fast as you can possibly go before the thing's a total train wreck. And actually, yeah, go until the thing's a total train wreck. So none of the notes sound like they're supposed to. <laughs> That's and it, then, though. The point, yeah, the point of like, okay, how fast can I go? And like, you know, try and push yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're going to finish clean. So back it off. Let's say you start at uh, 160 and then you go all the way up to 190 and it's a complete train wreck and you back it off and you'll probably find yourself somewhere in the 170, 180 range. Um, also understand that when you start hitting those sorts of tempos, your progress is going to be extremely incremental. It's not a linear curve. You know that those steps from 120 to 140 are pretty quick. And then once you bring in your, um, tremolo picking, we haven't really talked about tremolo picking in a really long time, Mm. but tremolo picking is a different technique than just your wrist maintaining that whole alternate picking. But that 120 to 140 is pretty standard for that strict alternate picking. And when you bring in the tremolo picking after 150, now you're going to see incremental progress. And it's going to be, you might only like be able to move that notch to BPM a week. Yeah. Sorry. But that's all right. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's it though. And on that point, one of the most, like, I suppose, interesting 
and useful pieces of advice I ever got from a guitar teacher was, say, if you're learning a solo and it's in, say, 140 BPM, um, you should really aim, if you want to get it right, like playing live, you should not be stretching yourself to hit that every time. You should be, you know, you're not done when you hit 140. You should aim to play it like at 150 so that when you are playing it, you're not tensing. You're basically, you're, you're basically going like 10% harder than you should so that when you actually have to play it live you're not afraid about hitting it you're basically you know there's there's more ease than just struggling to hit it every time right um you know getting it you should be aiming for 110 percent in terms of tempo wise so that you're not as stressed out (laughs) you're able to breathe you're not making the face while trying to hit that run yeah yeah that's good advice the slash run from <laughs> that was it though so, you know that one from uh sweet child of mine that solo he's like uh, yeah you know the the infamous one countless right. youtube videos made about yeah it. i hate um, sweet child of mine so much. <laughs> fair as a guitar teacher that that point is both valid and fair yes it, it um, can be a good tool but anyway yeah no that's okay so great advice all around i think um uh, it is a thing like it's always that temptation to want to play fast and then you know it's just something that especially when you're a younger guitar player and you know, you're, you're, you, you just want to shred because mm-hmm. it's, it's impressive. Like it is, you know, yeah. it's, I think it's with any instrument people automatically think fast equals good. So I want to play fast. Yep. And it's, it's a very, you know, I think people just hit, you know, I don't know if you, if you if you, that's what you want to do, if that's the kind of music you want to play. Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, it's not everything. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I I think the thing is, is you need to, in order to play fast and nobody wants to hear this, you have to work on several other techniques. So, and really dial in your left hand position and your right hand position. So when it comes to your left hand position, you really need to think about making sure all four fingers can line up on the fretboard, which is why I suggest that four finger exercise. And you'll find a couple other exercises that require some more finger independence. So you have to work on your finger independence and I'll have some of these up, but in order to play them fast, you also have to think about legato. As weird as that sounds, mm-hmm. not, that, not that the legato is what, make, uh, is what makes your licks fast, but it is what trains your left hand. So yes. accurate, precise legato, as well as being able to play it fast. One of the exercises I had my students do is they just alternate let's say your first and second finger, just as fast as you can. And the point is speed. You're never going to get fast if you don't focus on speed. But the problem is you're not going to get faster if you don't focus on the technique. Again, like it's easy to use that illustration of a sprinter because a sprinter can go in the gym and they can do squats and box jumps and all these other things. But if they don't actually get out on a track and sprint, they don't get any faster, right? So it's the same sort of thing. Like you need to put your gym time in your guitar gym time, but then at some point you just got to let loose and play as fast as you can, even if it's complete garbage, but you'll start to see some progress. So I'll have some legato exercises up there to check out. And the other key thing in your left hand is I'm going to go back to this film yourself playing with your pinky. Watch what your pinky does. It's going to be embarrassing. I can almost promise you that (laughs) unless you've already spent like hundreds of hours on your pinky it's, it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to stick out 
as if it's broken on most of your things. Like you may as well just have a brace on your pinky. So have a look. It's real important that your pinky is under control, particularly when you're changing strings. So slow your licks down so that, and I've got a couple of these exercises that'll be up on the Patreon page as well. So that when you change strings with your pinky, you plan it in advance, you slow it down and you make sure that that pinky can make that move all by itself. It's not, and you're not swinging your hand. Most people wanna swing their hand. This is why I talk about that four finger exercise. Get those fingers as close to the fretboard as you can. Your accuracy goes down and your yep. speed goes down the further your fingers have to travel to the fretboard. Get your fingers close to the fretboard, focus on that. That'll be a huge leap forward in your left hand playing. Get the pinky under control, get your finger independence going. And like I said, no one wants to hear it because it's not speed. It's not about playing fast, <laughs> but it's about efficiency. Speed comes when you have a spit, uh, when you have that efficiency. Work on the efficiency, the speed will follow. So I'm not going to do the old school thing of as a, you know, be accurate and then the speed will follow. If you don't practice speed, you'll never get faster. But you do need to practice that efficiency because efficiency equals speed. So that's that is a good introduction. Beautiful. Trying to cram as much as I possibly can into this tiny little episode. We could probably do a two-parter and we should probably even do like I don't know, a live stream talking about this stuff at some point, but that's good introduction. Check out the exercises that are there on the Patreon page. You can always email us, sharpenthataxe at gmail.com if you've got questions. More than happy to kind of sort that out and go from there. Thank you, John, for sharing your um, <laughs> years of wisdom with us. No, that was great. I, I always get something from this, like, because you're, you're much more... Um, much more seasoned guitar player than I am. So I, I always like hearing your perspective on it. And there's a, a lot of helpful nuggets in that one. Um, sweet. So this, this leads me to my next question, which we ask every episode, every full length episode anyway. Have you been working on anything of late? What have you been working on? I know you're back, you're working a nine to five now. So it might've been be a bit harder to play a little bit, but you're also not teaching. So you can kind of play what you want. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And to be honest, I, I've kind of wanted to work a little more on ear training stuff. So oh. just uh, picking elements of a solo or riffs or things like that and just seeing, okay, what is it? Can I just figure it out by ear? I mean, there's tabs for almost everything. So there is. Um, what, where are some good things to start? Just little things that I can pick up. So sometimes the safest thing for anybody that's out there um see if you can't pick up a like a pop country solo because it's going to be in the key okay. of either d or g and <laughs> and you should already probably know your uh, major scale shapes for those two keys and you'll kind of be able to figure out all right well what are the four chords so if it's in the key of d it's going to be d a g and there's probably a b minor so figure out which chord it starts on <laughs> and kind of break it down. So that's, that's advice for the listener. But for me, it's just been good to kind of try to do a little bit more of that, um, listening to a song and just going, okay, can I pick out the riff? Can I pick out uh, the solo? And can I just play it back? So it's, it's been good. Um, you don't do as much of that when you're not teaching. So that was one of the things that recently I was like, you know what, I just need to keep my ears fresh um and i'll work on some of these basic ear training exercises 
So what about you? What have you been checking out? So I've been doing something similar in terms of working out stuff by year, but I've been going through. So uh, one thing I heard, (laughs) I was asking, talking about guitar solos with a friend and like talking about how there wasn't any good guitar solos in modern pop music. And she said, have you heard the solo to Ariana Grande's Dangerous Woman? And I was like, no, I haven't, but I'll check it out. And I I don't know if it's programmed, but there definitely is like some real guitar on there. But huh. I, I, lear- I learned it a few months and I put a video of it on my Instagram because it was just, it's like straight up like 12, 15, 17, like B string, E string, pentatonics. But it was tough. And I was like, okay, cool. What else is there in here? And... I, I, there's just some really good melodies in terms of like her music. It's all very, it's like new kind of slower Mariah. So there is, there's always like some really interesting vocal stuff going on. So I've been essentially kind of breaking down. Um, you'll have to forgive the noise in the background. Ireland are playing Azerbaijan. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, go sports and all that. Um, but no, I just want, so I've been working out some Ariana vocal melodies and I'm hoping to release an Instagram series called Guitariana Grande. Um, but I've been talking about that for too long. So I just need to do it. It's just moving house and all that. And you don't know where anything is. Uh, so yeah, but I, I hope to get to that because it really is. Once I get into it, it's really fun. And also it is interesting to figure out what chords are underneath because it's so tempting to just go and learn the lines and try and figure them out by ear. But when you figure out what the melodies are what melodies are going over what chords you're like okay cool this is the third this is the fifth you know and i think that's really interesting also uh, i don't know if i talked about this in the last episode but i was talking um but i was talking with another friend about john frusciante and i was like i'm gonna try and learn every lick that john frusciante has ever written so i got the mother yeah uh, because there's gonna be a new chili peppers album in the next six months and i was like what better time to go and rediscover my love of, of possibly my favorite guitar player so i went back to his first album with the chili peppers which is mother's milk when he was only 18 and oh my gosh. i know and it's crazy because he it's just there's so many aspects of like him starting out as a guitar player and who he became i might do an episode with you on it because there's just so much there yeah, uh, yeah but you know he played like there was this whole thing i think he wanted to join frank zappa's band that was his like when he because really yeah yeah because when he started off started off playing guitar when he was like seven or eight and then like really studied it and then he got offered the whole chili peppers gig when hello slovak died and he's like i'm just gonna go with this there's a lot more drugs here i like drugs (laughs) (laughs) but he had this like everything sounds really weird on the mother's milk album and i never really paid attention to it and it's because he's using all these Steve Vai Ibanez's, you know, these kind of super shred guitars. And it just sounds really weird. And then going through the albums one by one, you can hear how he kind of evolved as the player and the kind of, you know, the licks that he'd repeat or where his influences were coming from. Wow. Spoiler alert, it's basically all Hendrix. And, uh, but no, it's, it's really interesting because there's just, he's one of those players where there are just so many resources online in terms of like his tone and his pedals and his background. And cause it's all really well documented in all these guitar magazines from the eighties. So yeah, bit of Ariana, bit of John Frusciante, kind of mixing it up. And is there any, what is, what is your one guitar related thing that you've been digging this week? So uh, recently, uh, Rowan Stevenson of I Built the Sky. Uh, oh, yes. So I Built the Sky has some new Friend stuff. Show. Some, yeah. <laughs> Another Australian guitarist. I don't know why 
we attract all these Australian guitarists, but uh, it definitely makes it hard to interview them. The uh, uh, they they're releasing a new album. So I built this guy, which is really just Rowan Stevenson. But um, on this, he's got a couple of guys from Intervals and a few other hot bands. Okay, in terms cool. of that instrumental, you know, shred guitar guitar nerd music genre i don't know what the definition is of that genre but we'll talk about that another time when i do an episode on it but um yeah super cool stuff he also did a thing on youtube which was kind of this cool like uh it's called rage against gojira and uh it's this weird kind of like he takes some of those zach de la roca vocals and like a gojira style riff and just kind of like plays around with oh. it it's just it's a fun listen it's not anything that's necessarily going to knock your socks off but it's super catchy it's fun to listen to um and it's a good riff so that's uh it's kind of cool 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 that's to see fun. stuff people that we've interviewed good good times so that's why i love this podcast man i like i never would have known about that like rome was such a uh sound guy to interview and really informative chat and um, but yeah, I didn't know he was doing stuff of late. So that's that's great to hear. And yeah, go support him. Buy his tabs. They're, yeah, they're, new they're album will good. be out on the 17th. They released a single week or two ago. So yeah, 17th of September. So check it out. Sweet. Um, I have been... Okay, so John, we're, we're not lovers of Brand Gibson on this podcast. It is, it is well. No, no. Uh, for, for various reasons. Um, various obvious reasons. Various obvious reasons. But I don't know if you're aware of this. The Gibson YouTube channel has been knocking it out of the park um, in terms of their, their player interviews. So they are... Let me just have a look now. It's what's it called? Gibson Riff Lords. Is this the, is, is a really thing. interesting series. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so... So I'm a big Primus fan and I was listening to some Primus and uh, it came up, you know, the YouTube algorithm put two and two together, you know, guitar videos and my love of Primus. I was like, hey, Larry Lalonde from Primus has this video and I'm like, he never does videos. And it was with the Gibson Riff Lords. And it's basically him dissecting how he came up with his most identifiable guitar parts. But it was super interesting and it was really well shot and edited. And then I went down and there's just so many really good guitar players. I mean, there's like, okay, I think there's only like 12 episodes, but they recently done these, this um, Gibson icons as well. And they have like a full hour with Dave Mustaine. And it was just super interesting. Cause, and then, if, you know, the obligatory Kirk Hammett. Bleh. Uh, or should I say, wah. Um, but, <laughs> wah, wah. But no, it's, it's, I, I, I was very impressed now with the production value and the amount of effort that went into making these videos. So yeah, that was a, a pleasant surprise uh, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, that's it. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's a, it, it is a super cool one. Uh, I had a student who, he actually introduced me to it because of Frank Hannon's episode. So Frank Hannon was kind of the key, one of the key guitar players for uh, the band Tesla, I guess still yes. is assuming Tesla is still around. Um, and he's a monster player, not necessarily someone that really gets the full credit that is due, but he loves these like big wide stretches, super fast legato runs um, fun to listen to, but breaks, breaks down these parts there's always cool little stories behind it and i've seen a couple other episodes since then but yeah definitely recommend it's a it's a fun thing to watch and definitely an easy way to kill an hour and a half so <laughs> yeah, I know. man don't get me started i was like oh great 
I've just uh, where I'm not getting that time back. But no, it's fun to have on the background. They get good players. They seem to interview them in a way that's very, you know, they're very jovial. Like Dave Mustaine is a is a cranky old man, and he seemed to really enjoy being on the show. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Um. Sweet. So uh, to play us out, friends, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was uh, a lot of fun. I think we all learned something today. And <laughs> um, we love doing these full episodes. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sharpen that axe. And we can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, as John mentioned earlier, our Gmail is sharpen that axe, uh, uh, sharpen that axe at gmail.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear any feedback. If you could leave us a review, it would be so much appreciated on wherever you cast your pods. Uh, preferably a positive one and it helps people to find us it helps motivate us to do this because like we, we this isn't you know this is something we do for fun and to keep our friendship alive <laughs> so no, <laughs> no pressure um but yeah uh, john anything to add no don't think so thumbs up thumbs, thumbs up, up on the zoom yeah all right uh stay and we'll see you next time everybody stay sharp